Thanks, Patty. And as Patty read Psalm 104 and Steve read for us Acts chapter 2, we remember the Holy Spirit coming. This morning, uh, again, it is Pentecost Sunday, as I've told the kids, and we're going to break from our David series for one more week and celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit today. Now, a key passage for Pentecost Sunday, and probably the passage that you expect to study, is Acts chapter 2. Uh, but we're going to be looking at a different passage this morning, a more obscure passage. And, and I would bet that many of us, including me, uh, don't remember all the details of this story. So let me invite you to find a Bible this morning and turn with me to Numbers chapter 11. Numbers chapter 11. And we're, before we read this passage, I'm going to need to set up a bit of context around this passage. Uh, Numbers is in the Old Testament. In fact, it's included in the first five books of the Old Testament. We call that collection the Pentateuch, meaning five. And Numbers is the fourth book, and it describes the journey of the people of God from Mount Sinai to the borders of the Promised Land. Now, in short, the, the book is filled with the people of God complaining over and over again and eventually finding themselves on, on a 40-year delay before they can go into the promised land. So this is what's going on in the text. Now before we dive into this passage, let's look at the opening verses of Numbers chapter 11. Now remember, Moses is leading the people. We've kind of going back to this day and time. They've been rescued out of Egypt. God is leading them toward the promised land. Look at verse 1 with me. Now, the people complained about their hardships in the hearing of the Lord. And when he heard them, his anger was aroused. Then fire from the Lord burned among them and consumed some of the outskirts of the camp. So the people are a bit freaked out because fire is showing up, right? And Moses prays to God, and the fire dies down. By verse 4, though, they're complaining again. Look with me in verse 4. The Israelites started wailing and said, If only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Also the cucumbers and melons, leeks, onions, and garlic. But now we have lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna. Remember, manna is the bread that was given to them. Moses goes to God and begins to plead. Moses basically prays to God, God, look, I didn't sign up for this. Look at verses 13 through 15. Where can I get meat for all these people? They keep wailing to me, give us meat to eat. And I cannot carry all these people by myself. The burden is too heavy for me. If this is how you're going to treat me, please go ahead and kill me. If I have found favor in your eyes and do not let me face my ruin. Don't you love Moses' prayer there? I mean, just so honest, isn't he? If it's right, God, I just can't do this. I'd rather die than have to lead these people. Moses is feeling alone. He's feeling overwhelmed. He's ready to quit. And look at what God says to him in verse 16. The Lord said to Moses, bring me 70 of Israel's elders who are known to you as leaders and officials among the people. Have them come to the tent of meeting that you may stand there, that they may stand there with you. So God is about to do something here. Moses has been doing it all alone. And now God is going to involve others in this work. Look at verse 17. I will come down and speak with you there. And I will take some of the power of the spirit that is on you. 
and put it on them. They will share the burden of the people with you so that you will not have to carry it alone. Now, if we've been reading the story, we know that Moses already has the Spirit of God on him. But now, God is going to expand the work of the Spirit. Let's keep reading. People are complaining, right? Moses prays. People ask for meat. God, Moses is overwhelmed. Moses goes to God, and God begins to involve others by allowing them to share in the power of the Spirit. Now, in verse 18, God lays out the plan. Look what he says. Tell the people, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow when you will eat meat. The Lord heard you when you wailed. If only we had meat to eat, we were better off in Egypt. Now, the Lord will give you meat, and you will eat it. Sounds good, right? Sounds like God is going to give them what they want, but not so fast. Let's keep reading. Verse 19, you will not eat it for just one day, or two days, or five, ten, or twenty days, but for a whole month until it comes out your nostrils and you loathe it, because you have rejected the Lord who is among you and have wailed before him, saying, why did we ever leave Egypt? You see, God is not pleased with the people he's going to give them what they asked for but he's going to give it to them in ways that they can't handle it Moses doesn't understand how this is going to take place Moses is again just kind of honest with God I love Moses's prayers to God he just tells God like it is Moses says look God there are 600,000 people here I don't know how you're going to provide this sort of meat now, we'll not read the entire chapter this morning, but let me tell you what happens. If you go down to verse 31, through the end of the chapter, you can read about it. Quail, who are migrating across the region, begin to fall on the people. In fact, in ways that are more than they can handle. Now, by the time that it's done, quail are piled up about three feet off the ground. And while they have meat to eat, a plague accompanies the meat, and many people die. Now, the plague is not explained, but it's certainly associated with the people's craving for meat. In, in fact, the spot they name Graves of Craving. Now, you might be thinking, God's a bit harsh here, isn't he? But the people of God are complaining about God's plan for them. They, they can only think about their own desires, their own needs. Now think about what God has done for them. God has brought them up out of Egypt. God has provided for them. God is leading them into this wonderful place called the promised land. And all they can do is complain. And all they can do is long to be back in Egypt. Now, while a plague is the end result, that's not what we're going to focus on this morning. We're going to focus on, on God's Fall, God's Spirit falling on them in a special way here. Let's look at verses 24 through 30 this morning. These verses give us a glimpse of the Spirit of God. And that's why we're talking about this passage on Pentecost Sunday. Verse 24. So Moses went out and told the people what the Lord had said. He brought together 70 of their elders and had them stand around the tent. Now, these are the 70 that are identified as leaders, officials among the people. He, he brings them together and he has them stand around the tent. Look at verse 25. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke with them. And he took some of the power of the Spirit 
that was on him and put it on the 70 elders. When the Spirit rested on them, they prophesied, but did not do so again. So for just a moment, God's Spirit lands on them, and they're able to speak the Word of God. Now it's worth noting that Moses continued to, continues to have the Spirit on him. He continues to speak God's words in chapter 12, but these elders have this one-time experience. Look at verse 26. However, two men, whose names were Iliad and Medad, had remained in the camp. They were listed among the elders, but did not go out to the tent. Yet the Spirit also rested on them, and they prophesied in the camp. So these two men are identified in verse 26 here. And they are prophesying in the camp, in a much more public and obvious place. Look at verse 27. A, a young man ran and told Moses, Iliad and Medad are, Medad are prophesying in the camp. And then in verse 28, Joshua, son of Nun, who had been Moses' aide since youth, spoke up and said, Moses, my Lord, stop them. Joshua is concerned. He's not sure why this is happening. And he goes to Moses and he says, I want you to put a stop to what's happening here. But Moses understands that the Spirit falling on them, that their prophesying is from God. Look at what Moses says in verse 29. But Moses replied, are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and the Spirit, and that the Lord would put his Spirit on them. You see, Moses sees what God is doing here as God at work. The Spirit of God is falling on these people, and Moses is rejoicing in this. Again, Joshua's a little concerned about it, but Moses is rejoicing in it. Moses longs for the day, do you see what he's saying here? When the Spirit of God will be poured out in a greater sort of way. In verse 30, Moses and the elders return to the camp just before the quails show up, before the plague hits. And we read in verse 30, that Moses and the elders of Israel return to the camp. And we're going to pause the story there today. And really we've just dipped into this story for just a moment here. This is a story of God's people coming out of Egyptian slavery. They've witnessed God working and moving among his people. Now they have a long way to go before they're where God wants them to be. In time God will establish them in the land. Yet through the years there are ups and downs for God's people. And not until Jesus shows up. Not until Jesus gives himself on the cross does God send the Holy Spirit to his followers in the way that Moses envisioned. Moses' words should ring in our ears today. I love verse 29. I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. You hear the words that he's saying? In Acts 2 we see this fulfilled, don't we? And today we celebrate that God's spirit is not limited to one leader, but is poured out on God's people, on the church. And it's appropriate for us today to celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit. So what do we do with this story? How does it impact us? What can we learn from it? Now the broader story in Numbers 11 has plenty of application for us, doesn't it? I mean, think about the people here. God has rescued them, God has delivered them, God has provided so much for them, and all they can do is think about eating a good meal, right? All they're thinking about is their discomfort rather than what God is doing. All they can do is think about food. But in the middle of all of this, God 
is doing a mighty work. He hears the prayers of Moses and he expands the work of his spirit. In this scene, the work of the spirit is fairly limited, but it points to a greater reality, a greater pouring out of the Holy Spirit that takes place in Acts chapter 2. And even when the people of God fail to be all that God desires them to be, God is pouring out His Spirit on them. It's an act of grace and it is a reminder that He loves them even in the midst of their unfaithfulness. So so there's the tension in the story, right? A disobedient, unfaithful people and an outpouring of the Spirit on a group of faithful people. In Acts 2... Some of the people who are present in that scene are not faithful, right? Some of them are making fun of the Christians. They don't understand what God is doing. They don't understand how God is moving. God is pouring out His Spirit on them in a powerful sort of way, even in the midst of some who are unfaithful. So what does that look like? How does that work? What does it mean for the Spirit of God to fall on His people? I don't know that we can wrap it up in just a few sentences. In February of this year, something special happened at Asbury University in Kentucky. University leaders say the phenomenon started when students were praying late after a chapel service on February the 8th, and and they continued singing and praying. And they didn't leave. And then other students joined them. And, And over several days, it stretched into a week, and then another week. Bill Allen, who's the pastor of the United Methodist Church across the street, Uh, has a daughter who works at Asbury Seminary. And Bill was sharing with me about his daughter's experience. He said that, she said, Dad, it was unbelievable what was happening there. It's not something that could be orchestrated or could be planned. She described the Spirit of God as palpable and really indescribable. You see, only God can do that sort of thing. And only God can choose when and where this happens. How many of you remember this story from Numbers 11? Now, you don't have to raise a hand this morning, but most of us, it's, it's a little more obscure, doesn't it, isn't it? It's not something that we talk about all the time. But I love this story because it reveals a God who chooses to work and move by pouring out His Spirit on His people. It also reveals Joshua as nervous, right? Moses, stop them. When the Holy Spirit works and moves, sometimes people get nervous, right? Moses proclaims, though, in verse 29, and I guess guess this should be our verse for the day. I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. May our prayer be that God would pour out his spirit on us. We celebrate on Pentecost the outpouring of God's spirit in Acts chapter 2. But we can be sure that God will continue to pour out his spirit on his people in other times, in other places. And may we collectively pray today, come Holy Spirit, come. Would you pray with me? God, we're grateful this morning for this story in Numbers chapter 11. And God, while we don't understand all the dynamics of it, God, we know that you are faithful, that your spirit is powerful. And Moses gets a glimpse of just for just a moment of what you're going to do one day. And God, here we are living on the other side of Pentecost. We've experienced your spirit working and moving among us. And may we continue to be attentive to all that you are doing. Come, Holy Spirit. Come.
Amen.